morning. Today's scripture reading comes from Colossians 1, uh, 24 through 29. You can find it in your pew Bibles on, verse, on uh, page 1046. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, uh, for you and, I, and fill up my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, the, ministry, uh, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to saints. To them God willed, willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mysteries among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man all in all wisdom, that they may present every man perfect in Christ. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his workings, which uh, works in me mightily. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It really encourages us that you're here and we want to be an encouragement to you. We also want to be able to help everybody know about the great involvement opportunities that are here in the Lord's kingdom. And one of the things that we want to accomplish in the lesson today is that we want everybody here to understand that the idea of giving you the opportunity to be involved is not about let's promote a program or let's promote the idea that everybody ought to get involved in a program, that there's something much deeper and much more important than that. And we'll look at that in just the next few minutes as we also will give this morning an introduction to the lesson and then even tonight come back and finish this very same text uh, that we're working on this morning. You know, about a year ago, it's just a year ago in about a week, we were thinking about January the 22nd, the 40 year anniversary last year of Roe v. Wade and the landmark decision of the Supreme Court of America uh, to allow Americans uh, to abort babies in the womb. And a part of that that we talked about was, of course, that God is the one who gives life and in that there is sanctity in living and there is sanctity in life itself. And if there's anybody on this earth that ought to stand up for those that do not have a voice, it ought to be those as Christians. But then we also talked about the fact last year that if we were going to stand up for those, we ought to also be willing to adopt those that need a place to live. And so that sermon was entitled The Cross and Adoption, because if anybody appreciates adoption, it's Christians. Because the only hope that we have to be a part of God's family is through adoption. And it was neat that on the very year anniversary from that particular lesson last year, the Kefs were on the way back to New Jersey, uh, taking, escorting back to the caretaker, uh, two children from Ukraine and a hosting program. And that's the second time they've done that. And also at that very same time, the whites were on their trip over to China to adopt Sam. 
And I say that to you to remind you that when we preach and when we come together to study God's word and when you sit down on your own to open up the pages to study God's word, it's not some kind of religious exercise that, that has no depth and no meaning, but that these are the things we live out. Perhaps you're a guest here this morning and you're saying, who are you people? We can tell you quickly that we're not perfect, but we can also tell you this from the very depths of our being. We believe that the teachings of these scriptures are to be lived. That our life is to become a living example of what we read. And when we find that we have separated from what we read, we recognize our imperfections and we humbly repent and turn back to it. But it's not the idea of let's lower the standard. It's the idea of keep the standard where God placed it. And let's do all we can to exalt the Lord by who we are. And so we are grateful for a lot of reasons uh, that the whites are home and Sam is home and they returned from China last night late. Uh, and we rejoice with them in that. But the rejoicing goes very deep. Before we get into the lesson, I'd like to remind you of one other really important thing. Um, Juliet, you always respond and we need 20 of you to respond this morning. Now, if you'd like to do that in the invitation song, that's another thing. I'm talking about respond by going to Operation Turkey. Uh, we really need to finish this project this morning. And many of you have already taken names of preachers in Latin America, primarily Honduras and El Salvador. And what we're asking is for a $50 check. And if you'll write a note telling that particular preacher and his family what your prayer is for them, how you love and appreciate that they've devoted their life uh, to spreading the gospel there. And also tell them a little bit about you. They love hearing about the people that write to them. And with that, they're able to buy the groceries for a nice, wonderful meal. And oftentimes they even invite their church family into the meal that they prepare. We always receive back some of the most beautiful cards and letters of appreciation. And so it's a wonderful way for us to spread God's love and let some people know that there are some people north of them that are also disciples of Jesus that love them dearly and want to encourage them. If you can do that today, that would be marvelous. And maybe as a Bible class, you want to take a name or two and, and do it together. And if you could do that today, that would be really, really wonderful. Imagine you're walking through a county or a state fair. And as you're walking through that fair, you hear, you hear a vendor barking. Hey, come arm wrestle, the world's strongest man. And you look and you do see a man that's ripped. And then there perhaps are several things that, that come to your mind. You look at his guns and you look at yours and you say, I don't, I don't measure up. Some of you in here would even say, well, I, I'm a woman and I don't think a woman could beat a guy like that, even though I'm kind of strong for a woman. I don't think I could beat a guy like that. Some of you guys that are already middle or a little bit older than that, you know, you, you play that game that you can do anything when you're young. And so you say to yourself, oh, when I was young, I could take that guy. You know, I've reached that point in my life where I have to remind myself all my memories of what I think I could do. I really couldn't do all those things. And, and so, you know, so, but you're saying now, at, at this age, I, I definitely couldn't measure up. I, I couldn't take that guy. Some of you guys that would be young like that guy, you would even say, I don't go to the gym anymore. I, I, I couldn't take that guy. 
And so because the fact that you can't measure up, you just kindly decline. But you enjoy standing there for a few minutes and you look at the men that are in the line and you watch a few of them arm wrestle and, and you cheer some of them on and you even give some of them credit. Wow, they, they did a great job. Some of them almost beat him. That, that's wonderful. But you know, as you turn and you walk away and, and even as you walk away from the fair and you, you get in your car, you, you say to yourself, if it ever did come back through your mind, that's fine. It's fine I didn't arm wrestle that guy because the fair didn't need me to do that. I didn't need to do that. I mean, the fair went on, everything was good. As a matter of fact, it's easy to drive home saying, I'm okay. It's been a really wonderful evening at the fair. Had some funnel cake, saw a few things, rode a few rides. I'm okay, everything is good. Does anything about that story mirror the way you look at kingdom work. You know, I, I might get involved if the situation were different, but there's nothing mighty about me. I mean, how could I measure up? When, when you look at some of the ones that's delivering meals on wheels and you have legends like Leroy Beard who has served individuals for years and years, it's easy to say, well, I, I could never measure up to him or Sonny Tillman. They're, 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 they've got it down. There's no way. Oh, me teach a class and, and measure up to Pat Huddleston? Measure up to Mitch Posca? <laughs> no. no there, there's, I, I, don't, I don't measure up to that. Oh, mission work. Like Buddy Pickler does or, or like Don Humphrey or Nancy King. <laughs> I can't measure up to those legends. You got to understand, I enjoy sitting back and I enjoy watching them and I really appreciate them. I'll even cheer them on sometime. But you have to understand, this kingdom work is done by pros. It's done by legendary people. I, I could never measure up to that. And you know what the good thing is? The good thing is I'm not needed. I haven't gotten involved before and, and look what the congregation at Mount Juliet has done. You know, I can go to worship service and, and I can even go to Bible classes and I can watch other people and I can read in the bulletin and I can hear about these great trips and I can hear about what other people are doing. And you know, I'm able to turn and walk away and I'm able to drive to my house and I find a little bit of comfort in the fact that even though I can't measure up, the good thing is I'm not needed. Everything just continues to flow without me. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. I don't have to be one of these kingdom workers. I don't have to be one of these people that is needed, that serves. I'm comfortable being on the sidelines. I'm okay with that. It's wonderful to read passages like that was just capably read of Paul, who not only talked about kingdom work, but he spoke very personable about kingdom work. And at the end of this lesson, we're going to come around and we're going to see the beginning of the text that was read in Colossians 1. And you say, okay, so what are we going to do in the meantime? In the meantime, I'd like for us to listen to Jesus. And I'd like for us to ask Jesus, Jesus, what should we be thinking about measuring up? What should we be thinking about being needed? And here's the big one. Is it really okay? 
Lord, I feel okay with it. You're okay with it, right? The first three, you might want to open your Bible because we're going to scan some things, but then we're going to back up and we're going to look at the introduction to these first three. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew, the 25th chapter. Matthew, the 25th chapter. And I'd like for you to think about the fact, what would the Lord say about kingdom work? Later on this year, probably in the fall of this year, uh, through the fall focus and then also some series of sermons that's going to accompany that, we're going to look at many of the teachings and parables of the kingdom. So many of the passages that we're going to kind of skim over this morning, later on this year, we'll probably spend an entire lesson on each one of these. But as we think about kingdom work, I'd like for you to notice in the 25th chapter in verse one, the parable of the 10 virgins. Notice how it begins in verse one, and that's on page 875 in the Bible that's in your pews there if you need to grab it and look long. 875, Matthew the 25th chapter, verse one. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And you remember what we have in this story is we have 10 women waiting on the bridegroom to return, but five have prepared. They have the oil, their lamps are burning. And five realize we're out of oil. We can't borrow from them. You can't ride into preparation on someone else's coattails. And so I'm gonna have to go out and and I'm gonna have to find some more oil. Well, while they're out hunting for oil, what do we have here? We have the bridegroom returning. And the five that are prepared, they're found waiting They enter in and the door is closed. The other five, once they think they're prepared, they're not. They're still unprepared because they're too late. They come and the door is shut and they even cry out. In other words, you could ask these people, do you want to serve the Lord? Do you want to go to heaven? Absolutely I do. Why do you think I'm scurrying around? But you know what the Lord said? The Lord said in verse 12, assuredly I say to you, I do not know you. That is bold words when we could make the excuse, but they were trying. They were out scurrying around trying to get ready. And the answer is 13, watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the son of man is coming. The teaching of this parable. Keep in mind, the purpose of parables is not to make many teachings. And when people try to bring 10 different teachings out of one parable, they're almost always going to be misusing the parable. This parable, the teaching is, be ready right now. You don't know when the day or the hour that the Son of Man is returning. Be ready now. Well, what does it mean to be ready? Well, the teaching continues with another parable, and this parable is probably even a better known parable. And it's a parable of the one who, well, look at 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. In the next verse, we see that he gave one man five talents and another man two talents and then another man one talent. And the man, uh, the men that had the five and the two talents took the master's goods and went out and used them in a way that was productive for the master. The one talent man did not. He took and he buried his talent. When the master returned, he took an account of what all had been done. And he praised the five and the two talent men for taking what had been given to them of the masters and using it in a productive way. 
As a matter of fact, the praise sounded beautiful. Look in 23, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But the one talent man, the man that had been given one talent, he buried his when the Lord come. He could return that one talent. But notice that wasn't acceptable. What have you done with it? He could have boasted about the fact I didn't waste it. But instead, the Lord said the least you could have done was, was put it in a bank and drawn interest off of it. But you haven't done anything with it. And the man tried to pull out the old, I'm afraid card. Well, you know, I'd like to get involved in kingdom work, but I'm just afraid. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a quiet person. I'm an introvert. I, I'm, just, I'm just afraid. I'm afraid to ask questions. I'm afraid to get involved. Or, you know, I'm afraid of failure. I see people that do a great job, and the truth is I've never done anything in the Lord's kingdom. I'm, I'm afraid that I won't measure up. It's interesting and sad how strong the Lord spoke to this man. His fear was no excuse at all to God. In verse 26, the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. And then notice in verse 30, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Strong words. Strong words for a man who didn't go out and waste it. He just buried it. And the Lord says, story number one, parable number one, I want you to be ready. Parable number two, the way you're ready is to take everything that I've given you, your life, your energy, your resources, your abilities, use them as a servant in the kingdom. But then he tells the third and I would say story here, but it's not told like a parable. It's like the Lord is saying, let me tell you about what the day of judgment is going to be like. And so in verse 31, he starts talking about the son of man coming in his glory and everybody in 32 that's ever lived is going to be there. And then in 32 and 33, there's going to be a separation where the saved or the sheep are on the right hands and the lost, the goats are on the left hand. Listen to what the saved here in 34 then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Isn't that beautiful? Come who? You blessed my father. Inherit what? Inherit the kingdom that is prepared. That final eternal measure of the kingdom that is waiting for us. It's a beautiful concept for those who are on the right hand. And you know, those on the right hand, they did things they did not even realize that they did. Jesus says, you've done these things to me. And they said, we don't remember doing them for you. And he says, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And it was things like when you give food to the one that's hungry and you give drink to the one that's thirsty and you let a stranger come into your house and you give clothes to the one that is needing clothes and you visit the one that is sick or you visit the one that is in prison. And the Lord said, when you've done it to the very least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And then on the other hand, there were those on the left side and they had not done those things to the least. They've not done those things in the name of Jesus. And they were told some very difficult words in 41. He'll say to those on the left side, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. Why do we go over that? 
The teachings are great. Well, if they're great, why didn't we slow down? Here's the reason. I think oftentimes we study these passages in depth and we fail to realize that there was a shorter story that was the story of introduction that really these three longer teachings helps explain that shorter story. And so now in, in the time that we have left, will you look back with me to the 24th chapter? And we have this on the slide if you need to read along. But if you have your Bible, look at the 24th chapter. There's already been talk back in 36 and 37. No one knows the, the day or the hour that the Lord is going to return. And so in verse 45, we have a parable. And, and let me interrupt this to say this. It's interesting that about at least half of the parables in the scripture are taught about stewardship. I want you to remember that and, and, and when we study this lesson a little bit later, which means there's going to be an afternoon break. But when you come back at six this evening, one of the huge points that Paul is going to make, and, and we're not twisting it. He says it straightforward. Paul says the way he accomplished ministry was that he recognized his ministry as a stewardship given from God. We deal with things differently when we recognize they're not ours. The opportunity that you have to serve today is not your opportunity. It's an opportunity that God is giving you to become involved in his kingdom work. And so to say, well, I, I just don't have any interest. It doesn't float with God. God is saying, are you a servant of mine or are you not? And if you're a servant of mine, I've given you work to do in the kingdom. This is your stewardship. And so notice how that is clearly seen here in 45, 46, and 47 in a beautiful and a positive way. Look at this, this good situation. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Wouldn't it be awesome if every one of us could put our hands up on that and, and say, that's not perfect, but yes, I try my best to be wise in kingdom work. I try my best to be faithful. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? See, there was a reason why the master was leaning on them. They were going to help take care of the household. Verse 46, blessed, that's what I want to be. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. See how those next stories, those next parables illustrate this? In other words, he says, let me tell you who's gonna be blessed. When the, the master comes back again and those five ladies, those five virgins are there waiting, they're gonna be blessed. When the master comes back home again and the five talent and the two talent says, hey, what have you done? And they say, look what we've done. We're so excited about this work. They're going to be blessed. When the Lord comes again, will you be found so doing? That's huge. That's huge. If you breathed your last breath this afternoon, would it be true that you died in service to the Lord? That you died so doing the work of the Lord? Notice 47, the word assuredly is a strong word when anybody uses it, but when Jesus uses it, it's a strong word. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his good. See, there's a reward for those that do that. But now we have a sharp contrast here. Look at 48. But if that evil servant says in his heart, 
My master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That sounds like one of the parables we just read. The one talent man Remember the portion that was given to him that he was wicked and lazy and remember he was going to go to a place that had weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is it? It's for those that they're considered wicked. Why are they wicked? The Lord has given opportunities, given life, he's given abilities and we do nothing with them. Instead, what we oftentimes do is we pull away. Remember we're talking about the kingdom where the Lord reigns. We pull away from the Lord's reign and we start living more like the world. Here in his illustration here, he says, they start running with the drunkards and they start hurting those that are brothers and sisters in Christ. I think about just in the past years. It's interesting how many times when someone that's a brother or sister starts living an immoral life, how often they'll turn around and also begin to attack Christians. The two seem to go hand in hand. When people are living a life under the reign of the king, they love others that are living under the reign of the king and they encourage them and they build them up. When those that are supposed to be living under the reign of the king, but he calls them hypocrites here, but they come over and they live a hypocritical life, not only do they begin living an immoral life, they'll begin talking about. They'll begin with their words, slicing up those individuals that are still living a life under the reign of the king. Listen, I'm not saying this to accuse you of anything, but I am challenging you in this. If in the last month or two you've been guilty of cutting Christians down, I urge you to flip the mirror back on yourself and ask yourself, what is it in my life that has started to place a distance between me and God? People who are close to God do not cut down the children of God. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. But God's children are not our enemies. But we forget that when we separate ourselves from God. And so in these teachings here, we see how powerful it is to have a place to dwell in the Lord's work. Tonight, we're gonna go to Colossians 1. We're gonna see Paul's words about ministry. We're gonna see his words about stewardship. We're going to see his words as he pleads through his life and his example for us not to have a question mark of might I get involved in the work of the kingdom, but to realize that because God has empowered us, because God has empowered us, we can get involved in a mighty way because it's his power. We don't have a what did I learn today, but it's kind of like that. So as we close, let's think about the kingdom work myths answered by Jesus Christ. So we say, I can't measure up 
to the other people, God's grace gives me the opportunity to serve. There's nobody on their own goodness that could measure up, not just against each other, but to the opportunity to be involved in kingdom work. Do you realize the blessing it is to be in the kingdom? We can't get there without grace. We can't be involved in the work of the kingdom without grace and mercy. I'm not needed. Think about what the Lord would say there. The Lord would say, needed? You realize you're expected. Like this isn't an option. This isn't, hey, if you're not doing anything else with your life, would you like to work in my kingdom? If we're truly going to be kingdom workers, it is expected that we work and be found faithful, stewardship. And then the old thing, well, I guess I'm okay. Only if I'm found faithful because I'm found and I'm serving because of God's mercy and because of his grace. This morning... God's not concerned about you comparing yourself to everybody else. 1 Peter 4 and 10, he's given every one of you a gift. 1 Corinthians 12, we look really different as various members, but together we fulfill our place in the body, just like various members of the physical body. So where does that leave us? That leaves us with the opportunity to look to the kingdom, to look to the king of the kingdom and to say, how is it you want me to live in this kingdom living? And I hope, I hope that every one of us, I hope it's your regular prayer. I want to hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This morning, if you're disconnected yourself from the king and you'd like to come back to him and pray forgiveness, we'd love to help you. If you've never come to the king and you would love to be baptized into him for the remission of your sins, we'd love to encourage and help you in that.